The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Well, welcome back to the Video Insiders. Dror, always great to be on the microphone with you. How are things in your world? Things are going wonderful, Mark, and I'm very happy to be on the podcast today again uh, with you. Um, and a lot of exciting uh, stuff happening uh, in video, uh, mergers and splits and, uh, uh, you know, different <laughs> services are... are uh, all the permutations. All the permutations, of, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. M&A and... <laughs> But yeah, what a, what a great time to be in video, and, and I'm just super excited um, to speak with our guest today, who has been in video for a number of years, I'll let him tell the story, uh, and seen the transition from uh, physical to streaming, uh, and you know, just super excited. So, uh, Dror, let's welcome Todd Erdley from Videon. Todd, Welcome. Well, I'll tell you what, if I can hang with you guys on excitement and interest, it's going to be a fun day because this is just an interesting group and it's really an honor and a pleasure to be together with you guys today. So looking forward with, uh, with the chat that we're about to have. Thank you, Todd. We're really happy to have you today. And we are called the Video Insiders for a reason. You know, it's not just Mark and I who are the Video Insiders. Our guests are the real video insiders. and Yes, they're the real insiders. Yeah, and, and you are definitely one of them. You know, you've been in the industry for a while and seen the transition. So um, tell us uh, uh, the story. I mean, Videon has gone through uh, several transitions uh, throughout the years. Um, wh wh where did you start originally? Well, I think that first, both of you are extraordinarily kind because being in it a while means that I'm old. And um, I'm, I'm it also means that we are old, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> remember, so, remember, if we were around at the same time, uh, you know, it kind of puts us in the same uh, vintage. <laughs> it, it's all relative. So, so uh, Vidion is a company that, that I founded with a, a group of other people in uh, December of 1997. And wow. so we have been part of this industry literally since day one. So, Going back to even before Videon, we were working with Intel on their then DVI um, video encoding solution. We were working with MPEG-1 and, and Sigma Designs on Real Magic. And, and at one point, somebody came to us and said, hey, can you help out doing a design for this thing called SD Video? Or like, SD Video, that sounds kind of cool. And we're like, SD Video, that's not the greatest name. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to change the name. We're going to call it DVD. And we're like, okay, yeah, we'll help you with this thing called DVD. So, so we've been around since day one, and uh, I'm, I'm very proud to say that Vidion has been a company that's been privately held, bootstrapped, and continuous for the entire history of what digital video has really become. Well, until today, you're still privately held? So Vidion's been private since 1997, bootstrapped, and you know, we've grown this company and been part of digital video since day one. And at a particular point, as you grow a company, and, and through all these iterations of having Vidion, you see market inflections, you see customer inflections, you see technology inflections, and, and then you see where the company is and you start to think, hmm, should I take advantage of this inflection, yes or no? And so over the course of 20 plus years, I've seen multiple inflections. 
NVIDIA's in the midst of an inflection point right now from a market, a customer, a technology, a company position where we said it's time. And so we went out to the market and we were able to successfully raise convertible note um, in the December, January timeframe, which really allowed us to kick things forward by hiring key individuals and expanding our team. And we immediately went into a venture round where we were very, very, very fortunate to intersect with Voyager Capital in Seattle. And with Voyager Capital, we've worked with their team, we've worked with their, their advisors, We've really gotten to know them, and we are extremely excited to announce that Voyager has led a $5.1 million equity round in Vidion. And this is key investment capital for us because that combined with our convertible note allows us to radically expand our sales marketing team, continue to build out our edge compute story, and really drive the company into an entirely new position. So these are exciting times where Vidion, as it has been for 20 plus years, where, where we have so many great relationships, and we're going to build on that to do something very, very, very transformative. So it's an exciting day for us. Wow. Well, congratulations, first of all. And, uh, you know, we're here. It's great to talk about the past, but um, we really like to talk about what's happening right now and then what is coming up. Um, certainly going from licensing uh, uh, DVD uh, stacks to, <laughs> to streaming video is a transition. So what's driving your business today? So the thing that's driving the business today, and, and it's really important to look backwards to understand what drives the business today. So one of the things that drives the business today is relationships. So who has Vidion been? Vidion's been a company that's been part of your digital video life since day one because we were the people writing that software that went on top of chips from LSI Logic to C-Cube to TerraLogic to Cirrus Logic to Broadcom to Intel to Qualcomm. Every single major semiconductor company has used Vidion technology. And in using Vidion technology, they've released any number of leading edge consumer electronic products from optical disc players to Google TVs first instantiation to Chromecast products to smart TVs to digital video recorders, everything. Now, how does that apply to today? Well, here's how it applies. In doing all that work with semiconductor companies since day one, we've always had a way where we said, look, ladies and gentlemen, we're helping you go to those key markets that you wish to go to. How about we use the technology and the know-how that we have on your device to apply it to a vertical market that you don't seek to really exploit? And so we're very, very, very fortunate to be working with Qualcomm. We've been working with Qualcomm for many years. Snapdragon technology from Qualcomm is really unparalleled in the amount of compute it can bring to a small form factor with a low amount of power. And so our thesis was, how do we unleash that and apply that to the broadcast market, to media and entertainment? Because here's what's really happening. Primary screen broadcast content that's heavily produced is being augmented to the point of being replaced by secondary screen, lately produced, robust content from nearly any source that is imaginable. And so if we can look at the market and say, people are actually tuning into the axe throwing league championships or the 
cornhole league championships or, or what have you, there is this thirst for video. And that video needs to be enabled in a low cost, frictionless, highly scalable, easily consumed manner. And so there are market forces that are coming to bear right now that are giving an opportunity for making video simple to access, simple to distribute, and simple to consume. So that's where Videon's really playing. There's a lot more to it, but you know, these are the market forces that are at bear. So basically, you're taking the, uh, the, the platform from Qualcomm, which is uh, essentially the heart of the mobile phone, and you're turning this uh, into the center of a video broadcast platform, a contribution platform? Boy, you nailed it right there. I should put you on my marketing team. <laughs> That's right. You, you're hired. You're hired, George. You're hired. You're hired. <laughs> it has the heart of a mobile phone, but the soul <laughs> of a TV broadcaster. <laughs> exactly. There, there you go. So what's beautiful about a cell phone? A cell phone is a very robust compute platform. And that compute platform has a specialty. That specialty is a phone. But when you really look at it, what has a cell phone become? A cell phone has become a camera. It's become a video camera. And so what would happen if we could disconnect that, that connected camera that's in a cell phone and, and allow any camera to be the input to that video engine? What would happen if we could totally change the dynamics of that chip to run differently? Well, that's effectively what Videon did. We took that cell phone platform, that Snapdragon platform, and we said, boy, the cameras that are dedicated to that device inside of a cell phone, that's great. Let's rewrite the software and let's allow any video source, HDMI, SDI, IP input to be processed by the Qualcomm device. And so we did that. And in the process of doing that, we created a video encoder. Well, guess what? There are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of video encoders out there in the market. But you know what there are not a lot of? There are not a lot of video encoders that have the compute power of a Qualcomm Snapdragon sitting there unused. So now all of a sudden, you have not an encoder, but a video compute platform, where that video compute platform, sure, it does video encoding, but now it has compute that you can do any number of things with it. And now let's think about that cell phone. So we talked about that cell phone. There were lots of PDAs out there back in the day, but when Apple came out with the iPhone, the differential was that PDA was connected to a phone. And then you could start to develop lots and lots and lots of other functions. So what's really going on here is we've taken that cell phone guts And instead of it being a phone at its core, it's a video encoder at its core. But now we're adding all these other features. And ultimately, as we come out and really drive into the market, it's going to be developers that start to create solutions. It's not going to be Videon. It's going to be any number of things that are possible with this very, very, very flexible compute platform. That's exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so these are, I'm looking on the website and these are the edge caster, uh, solutions. So, um, there, there's, there's edge caster, there is a versus streamer. Uh, maybe you can differentiate, you know, tell us, um, what the differences are and, uh, you know, more about what's coming. 
Yeah, so VersaStreamer is a video encoder. It, pure and simple, it's a video encoder that's going to bring in SDI or HDMI up to 4K30. It's going to do HEVC or H.264 encoding. It's going to give you multiple RTMP outputs. It's going to give you SRT support. It's going to simultaneously record. It's going to give you an unparalleled amount of capability in a small form factor, low power, power over Ethernet device. It's a great encoder. But you know what? There are a lot of other great encoding companies, and we affirm them, and they're, they're wonderful for the market, and we think we too are wonderful for the market. Edgecaster, though, is where things get real very quickly. So this is where we deploy compute, and this is where we start to look and we say, hmm, what are the things that are happening in the video delivery chain that maybe should change? And I'm going to just pick on Adobe for just a moment. The whole world has been based on RTMP from a video encoder up to the cloud, let the cloud do what the cloud does, and then CDNs distribute that video to ultimately the consumer. And we look at that, and we as an industry are satisfied with the cloud causing us to pay some extra money for encoding a second time. Is that really necessary? Why can't we encode once rather than twice? So our thesis is encode on the edge, not in the cloud. Let the power of the platform that we have do the encoding the right way the first time. Produce HLS, produce dash, produce multiple bit rates, produce CMAF chunked outputs, and then go directly into CDNs and bypass some of the things that might otherwise happen in the cloud, especially as it applies to um, low latency needs or, or low concurrent viewing needs. And, and as we democratize video and create a mesh of connections, we start to become a very important part of that solution. And so we think that the days of RTMP are, while relevant, fading. And we think that the days of low latency, lower cost delivery by optimizing the supply chain is very important. This is where we're building out. That's just the starting point. That's really interesting. So you're reducing delay and reducing uh, processing costs by doing all of the encoding in your edge device that contributes the video, but also distributes the video. So it's contribution and distribution in one device going directly through the cloud to the end user, to the consumers, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, with the compute power that we have on the Qualcomm Snapdragon, we can do a lot of different things. So we can continually evolve what we're doing. For instance, we're very early and, and successfully doing Apple low latency HLS implementations. We also do things where we say, hmm, you know, the industry's been based on HTTP push. Why not put a web server on our device and support HTTP pull? Why not say, hmm, there's Fastly with an origin shield. Why don't we pump directly into Fastly's origin shield so we're going straight through the CDN? So think about that. There we are with be it HLS or Dash or whatever you want, and it's in a pull mode where it goes straight into Fastly, and then it goes straight to the consumer. Well, that's a simple workflow. That's a reliable workflow. That's a low-cost workflow. That's a low-latency workflow if you desire it to be so. And so what we're really thinking is, aren't we as an industry complicating video streaming? And if we are, what can we do to change it? 
And so we think that as video becomes currency, just like the phone used to be the currency, that simplicity wins the day, reliability wins the day, confidence wins the day. That's really where we're driving. I think it's it's really interesting when we think about the use cases because for for a lot of us in video and you know obviously if uh, if someone's working primarily for a, a premium SVOD license content type service you're you're focused on a particular type of video you know co- video codecs there's certain sorts of devices you need to support and that is a different thing but it's easy to sort of think that 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 is the primary world of video and in reality like the license premium end of video distribution is teeny tiny in the world of all video that's getting streamed you know across the internet and it's like you are unlocking the the potential for everything from the most obvious use cases education houses of worship government, uh, you know, but then so many other applications, maybe you can tell us about uh, some interesting applications, um, you know, where your products have been used. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, our products are used by a, a wide range of individuals and entities. And one of the things that we're really, really proud of is during COVID, as things were really starting to clamp down, there was a opera that was going to be performed in Taiwan. It was being done by the Taipei Opera. And this opera was was going to perform this show on a Saturday night, but they found out on Thursday that they weren't going to be allowed to do the show. And that that was really a bummer. And so what happened? Well, with our technology and the simplicity and the deployment capability and what have you, we were able to say to the people at the theater house, here are three encoders. Now, we weren't allowed to take them into the opera house through our our partner, Rexel, over in in Japan, but they were able to give them to the stagehands because what was happening is the Taipei Opera was going to perform a dress rehearsal that was going to be live streamed. And so they performed the dress rehearsal and our technology live streamed a center, a left, and a right camera. And in the point of COVID happening, this was March of 2020, this was really cool because people were saying, my gosh, is this the last time I'm going to really see a live performance? And so there was a theater that sat 2,000 people, but for that dress rehearsal, even though they were performing to an empty audience, they had 50,000 people watching them. And because of everything that was happening all over the world, ultimately, the person that wrote the opera that was being performed by the Taipei Opera, this writer was in Spain, as COVID restrictions waned, he went to Taipei and they re-performed that opera with him conducting. Now, that's connecting moments, okay? So that's what gets me super excited and super motivated, that Life's moments are being connected and and we're helping to improve societies through some of the things that we're doing. And there's example after example after example of things like that. But that one's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, that's a great story. And I, I you have a blog post on your uh, website. So for all the the listeners, uh, you can go and and there's video clips and really the the video looks looks good. 
I wouldn't have known that this wasn't coming off a, you know, a full quote unquote professional shoot with switchers and, you know, all the normal stuff. It looks great. And it was installed by, by stage hands. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. What I'm saying is- No, but these weren't video experts is, you know, this wasn't, uh, yeah. And uh, you mentioned before the possibility for developers to extend the platform. So are you running the the, the mobile operating system, Android, uh, still on, on the chip and you can write apps? So we are running Android. We also have a Linux version. And with that, with that, we have a compute environment that is being created. And with that compute environment, we have multiple customers that have said, hey, I want to do things in a very, very, very unique and different way. Well, what we ultimately did was we enabled Python. And with Python, we say to people, okay, here is a Python-capable video compute platform. Go do what you want to have done. And so with that, they can go in and they can take over our REST API. They can go in and take over all the functions of the device. And so what people are doing is they're closing the loop between cloud and edge, where edge is at the source of video. And so now, now think about this, gentlemen. Here you have a video encoder in the old world. But now it's a video compute platform in the new world. And this video compute platform can be deployed to customers. And what do they have to do? They plug in power, ethernet, video, and that's it. And then in the cloud, in a place where they're very comfortable, they're setting up control, they're setting up monitoring, they're making sure everything's happening in a very seamless way. Because what somebody did was they wrote a Python script that's actually running in our device that's taking over the entire UI experience. And that's just a starting point. Because with that, as we deploy other forms of compute that can run on our device, then developers can do things that otherwise were never imaginable. And as you start to create functions that could run on-premise in a device like this that might otherwise run in cloud or different places or, or who knows how, now you start to have an ecosystem. Now you start to really, really connect the dots and create a end-to-end solution. And so our vision is that this video compute platform that at its core has a video encoder starts to be used in totally different ways. And the thing that gets us the most excited is not the video that's being processed, but the descriptive information about that video. We believe that metadata is actually the new currency. We believe that being able to describe video, search on video, monetize video through metadata provided in real time as video is being transferred to the cloud becomes transformative. And so these are the things that get us very excited to enable the developer community to do things that otherwise we would never dream imaginable. That's a very interesting insight because uh, only recently uh, we talked with um, Ed uh, Lashinsky, right, from Zeip? Yes, yeah, Zeip, yeah. Um, and, and he also said, you know, we have a lot of components to our platform, but the metadata and the management of media that's core, that's center. That's what we always do, even if customers select other components. So um, it's interesting that you both reach the same uh, uh, conclusion, which I guess is true, 
that uh, metadata is king, right? Not content is king, but metadata is king. Because at the end of the day, we're all frustrated. How do you find the video? How do you use the video? How do you monetize the video? And, and there has to be a better way. And so let's just, let's just fast forward and say, hmm, could I ultimately run real-time artificial intelligence machine learning to describe that video? Could I use that artificial intelligence machine learning to create specific metadata that rides along with that video so that I can do unique things? Yes. And so that's where the power of the Qualcomm Snapdragon platform comes in. And this is the power that we're unleashing. And so we believe that transformative experiences will be made possible by bringing mass compute to the point where video is produced. And, and again, we're not data scientists, that's not us, but we are enablers of people that have dreams and visions. And so we look at this as, and I'm gonna keep saying, video compute platform. It's not an encoder, it's a video compute platform because at some point, people are going to push video through this platform where they're not even using the encode. They're just using the processing of video and descriptive capability to do transformative items. Yeah, I think these are really key insights, uh, Todd. Dror and I, of course, spend um, really all of our time more in the world of video encoding and uh, and, and looking at that part of the process. Um, and yet, I certainly have observed that the mechanics, although still crucially important, and you know the the video codecs uh, are essential, and um, you know there's a lot of innovation around that. But they are a piece of a much, much broader ecosystem uh, that is enabling, you know, as you keep saying, you know, these experiences, you know, even even humanizing it, you know, these these moments, which is what everybody is using our technologies for, you know, streaming videos. So it's to extend, uh, you know, a performance to someone who, you know, who can't, or, you know, during COVID, you know, where we couldn't leave our houses, but we still wanted to enjoy these, these great, you know, um, performances, or, you know, we wanted to attend, uh, you know, a, a church service, or, you know, we wanted to attend a government meeting, you know, <laughs> we do that remotely and just uh, yeah, school and we can go on and on and on uh, with the applications. And it's really interesting. Now, one of the things that I noted is uh, you have a partnership with Amazon. Uh, can you tell us about that? Um, I can tell you that we have a partnership with Amazon, and we're a very, very, very proud uh, member of their technology partner network. Um, there, there could be other things that are points of intersection with Amazon, um, but I'm not at liberty to talk about that publicly. Um, and if somebody wants to draw a conclusion between uh, what we do as Vidion and, and what you see from Amazon, that's, that's up to you. This is what I will say about Amazon. Um, Amazon has, has a great set of, of cloud capabilities in their media services. And I think that Amazon has taken a very, very, very proactive and logical approach to saying, how do we ease the, the um, pipeline from source of video to it being in the media services? And I think that Amazon has come out with a wonderful, wonderful solution uh, as far as enabling that in a lower cost, highly deployable manner. And uh, I think that that was obtuse enough, but specific enough to say that we think that they're doing some really great things. 
I have a question. Not sure you can answer this one, but uh, this whole uh, reliance on the Qualcomm um, uh, platform. Um, is this part of kind of a partnership that you have with Qualcomm or some software development that you did for them and you're now, um, you know, exploiting in, in a different market? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so, you know, going back to the roots of who Vidion was, um, when Qualcomm was looking to get into in-vehicle entertainment, uh, we licensed to them a optical disc stack and we started working with their devices and and integrating our IP onto their device and then ultimately um, we started pointing customers in the set-top box arena back to Qualcomm to say you know you might not think about Qualcomm as a set-top box device but boy it's really 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 interesting and so we brought some very 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 large customers to to Qualcomm where there were there was a, a a multi-party arrangement where it was us, the customer, and Qualcomm working together to create some very, very innovative solutions. And in doing those solutions, we said, hey, Qualcomm, you know that we know our way around your chip. We know You know we're not going to bother you with questions. We're going to go do some innovative things. And Qualcomm said, by all means, you're a great partner, you're great friends, go forth and be, be successful. And um, so we developed our Edgecaster versus Streamer product line, really didn't ask them any questions, just used the know-how that we've gained from the partnership with them and years and years and years of being around semiconductor technology. And we came out with our product line. Qualcomm has been a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal partner. And, and the, the thing about Qualcomm is you can always rely on the fact that they're bringing forth cutting-edge solutions for the cell phone market that are transforming our experiences. And with that, as our software expands and their technology extends, we run right with them. And so we're just a very, very, very proud affirmer of the Snapdragon technology platform. And uh, we talk to them quite regularly and, and really enjoy the partnership that we have with them. Are you able to share specifically what chip you're using? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, right now we're on Snapdragon 820. So that's a 4K30 HEVC H.264 encoder. And we are soon, soon going to release uh, our next generation based on Snapdragon 865. This is a 4K120 HEVC H.264 encoder. Uh, it has eight cores, it has neural processing engines, it has extended GPU capability, CP, um, sorry, graphics capability, and it even has a slow mode of 4K960 for industrial applications. You can just be very confident to say as Qualcomm comes out with new devices, uh, there are many conversations happening between Vidion and Qualcomm that allow us to move forward in support of their devices and they in support of our vision. And, and you enjoy the scale because, right, because the chips are sold in hundreds of millions uh, units. So they're very, very cheap. And even though you produce, uh, you know, um, a much uh, lower number of, of units, kind of a special uh, devices, you can still enjoy those um, mass market uh, uh, chips at a very low price. At the end of the day, it was pretty obvious very early on. There's wonderful CPUs from companies like Intel great products. There's wonderful FPGAs from companies like Xilinx and Altera. They're great devices. But 
Then there's application-specific processor SOCs that are built purposely for a function. Back in the day, it was a DVD player. Today, it's, it's a cell phone. And the most cutting-edge technology, the most process-intensive, the most depth, the most density is in those devices. And if you can get your hands on those devices and make them do what you need them to do, the power of that is unbelievable. And, and again, we're just really, really, really pleased to be working with Qualcomm um, because it's a differentiator for us. Now, um, you're actually involved because you're doing this kind of direct streaming uh, to the CDN and you can skip the cloud. Um, you're involved in both sides of the video workflow, right? From both contribution and distribution. And when you're doing this kind of streaming, which reaches the end user, what are the main challenges that, that you are seeing in deploying uh, such video services? So are, are, are you uh, challenged or constrained by uh, a bandwidth uh, constraint or bottleneck or the changing of, of bandwidth? Is it uh, that we have too many protocols or too many end devices that you need to support all their quirks? Where, where is the, the main challenge today when your customers are doing uh, video delivery to their users? Yeah, it's, it's really a fantastic question. Um, because it's at the heart of the matter. You can develop great technology, but you know, as soon as there's one bottleneck, there is a bottleneck. So what are the bottlenecks? Well, the bottleneck is um, upstream um, bandwidth, right? So that, that's just a constant battle. And, and when you're in the house of worship, it might not be the best situation as far as internet connection. It, it might be fine. And, and so it depends. So you have to be very mindful of that. And, and so that limits, at times, some of the flexibility that we provide, because this is where we go back to the RTMP world. Boy, if you push it, H.264 RTMP stream up at, at five megabits, you know, that's going to give you something. You know, what we would rather do is we'd rather send up a, a seven megabit ladder of HEVC so that you don't have to encode twice. But there I just touched on another friction point. H.264 versus HEVC versus AV1 versus BVC. And in a perfect world, in a perfect world, we would all be really comfortable with HEVC. But that's just simply not a true statement. And, and so that's another friction point that, that causes some problems. I am very, very, very excited to see what happens with VVC. I really am. I think AV1 is fine. I don't think AV1 will be a real-time contribution distribution um, codec that would be typically used by a company like Videon. I think VVC has the potential to be there. Interesting, because we know that Qualcomm skipped AV1, right? In the latest chip, they announced that, or they didn't announce, but you know, people were reading the press release and saying, okay, so they still don't support AV1. <laughs> Well, AV1 from an encode standpoint is pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. <laughs> AV, yeah. So you have to dedicate a lot of gates, obviously, to AV1 to make it really be an encoder. And, and so I see Qualcomm and other companies that want to have a, a real-time, um, very effective, bandwidth-effective um, encoder going to VVC. I, I do see that. Wow, that's that's very interesting. I think Mark, I think it's it's the first time we've heard such a such a statement or an insight that uh, VVC is going to be a, a contribution um, um, a format 
for video and and it will surpass AV1 in in this respect. Yeah, yeah. And and of course also I'm wondering from Qualcomm's perspective and uh obviously Todd you're not speaking on behalf of Qualcomm. We all understand that. So um but your insights are very interesting. You know, they're designing their solutions for the mobile device first. Uh and so I'm just I'm sort of, you know, talking out loud here. Um where does their decision to support a codec how does that vary if they were to be designing this as a video encoder first rather than an all-purpose mobile device you know because that's really the application that that chip is made for yeah i mean and i don't have insight into why a qualcomm or why an intel or why an amberella or why a whomever would whatever decisions what i believe is especially for an asp soc where gate count becomes cost that if you're going to dedicate to an AV1 or a VP9 or a VVC or a ba ba bum you've done a complete market study to really say this is going to be transformative so here is a third party outsider's view and and my opinion is and I'm not a gate person and I'm not a chip designer I'm just I'm looking at it from a market perspective a VVC, if that combined with 5G, if that gives us as a consumer a better experience to do something transformative, to have more video pumped into the cloud and for us to pay a higher premium for that next phone, well, then I'm going to do that. Now, if I have a choice between the number of gates of VVC and the number of gates of AV1 and, and what have you, I'll probably choose VVC, but I'm not a gate designer not a gate designer. So I'm looking at it purely from how do you bring value to the consumer? Here's what I absolutely know. There is going to be a regular cadence in the market where there is going to be a change in video resolution and a change in encoding standards. And each time that happens, there is going to be an advantage to a device like a Qualcomm followed by the, the, the advantage moving to an FPGA followed by a CPU. So a CPU, because it's general, will always take time to catch up to really be able to do things in a robust way. And so what my bet is, is as we as an industry drive resolution and codex standards, that being tied tight to an ASP, an SOC like a Qualcomm, is a radical unfair advantage. It makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to me also, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we didn't talk about, and share what you can, uh, what are the pricing of these encoders? Yeah, so we list out from $1,195 for our VersaStreamer SDI product up to $2,495 for our Edgecaster to include our packaging technology. And so you know, we have everything in between. So the way that we've positioned is, this is kind of how we look at the encoding market. There are products that are $10,000 and higher, and they are the Ferraris, and, and that's great. Um, we are $2,500 and lower, and so we're kind of the Toyota. And so if you need to go to Wawa to get a cup of coffee in a Ferrari, go for it. But if that Toyota is going to take you there just fine, maybe you should consider the Toyota. And typically people connect a single camera to your device or a video mixer with several cameras? So great question. So it could be a mixer, it could be a switcher, it could be a single camera. Right now we're a single camera input 
via HDMI or SDI. Now, we're going to be ultimately having an IP input, and then things change. So you, you, you've convinced me <laughs> that this, this edge video appliance is really the way to go where I'm even creating my ABR stack, my, my HLS, um, package, you know, on the device, I'm able to then distribute this to, um, you know, to a CDN partner that I might be using, but you know, there are some functions I may want to do in the cloud. Uh, do you offer a, you know, some sort of an additional service? Do you offer, um, you know, for example, what if I want to buy CDN from you? Is that available? Have you done some partnerships? Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, great question. So a couple of things on that one. First and foremost, um, you know, we're going to be coming out with our cloud control and cloud maintenance capabilities so that you can control your fleet and, and make sure that, you know, you're, you're very comfortable with a deployment, a large deployment of Videon devices. The second thing is that we have enjoyed really, really, really great relationships with multiple CDN partners and, and cloud partners. So we have a fully compatible certified um, capability with some, including AWS going directly into Media Store and, and Media Live. And so there are cloud formation templates that allow you to quickly set up and, and stream directly to Media Store, Media Live. With Akamai, we're fully MSL um, 4.x certified and we are part of their media technology partnership. So we are really, really, really logically set up to stream directly through Akamai. And then we work with Fastly. And as I said, we can go directly into their origin shield and push right through Fastly. So I'm going to get to your point about deploying fully, but getting information from, from on-prem to cloud is step one. Then we're very, very, very pleased also to have partnerships with leading player companies. So we've done a lot of work with Next Player. We've done a lot of work with Theo. Those are two great player companies, and we validated multiple workflows, be they low-latency workflows or just optimized workflows. And so we have all three elements together, video compute platform, cloud CDN, and player. Now, what are we doing? Are we reselling and offering as a bundled solution at this point? No. We're recommending, referring, and supporting in high concierge modality people to have rapid deployment of those end-to-end -end solutions because we really want to affirm our partnerships with each of those, those levels. I would be... Uh, missing something if I didn't also do a shout out to Mux. There is so much cool stuff happening at Mux and their view of, of the world from a development community really resonates with Vidion. And, and we're really excited that there's a rapidly expanding partnership with Mux. And so special shout out to them because they've just been great supporters and, and believers in the end-to-end -end solution and, and tight integration that ultimately benefits developers and then the end consumer. It's great that you put in the shout out to Mux, otherwise you would be DMUX. <laughs> Given that I've been DIBC'd to December in Amsterdam, I would rather be DMUXed to San Francisco in October. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And, and December in Amsterdam, uh, bring your snow boots. <laughs> oh, 
Well, that's super interesting that you brought up uh, Mux because I am curious and I wanted to ask about your role with these platforms and, you know, whether it's Mux or even some of the more uh, traditional OVPs. Uh, it sounds like based on the way you're working with Akamai and what you said is, you know, you're not reselling, which by the way, I, I think is super smart because it seems like where so many companies have kind of gotten off in a way is, you know, everybody says, oh, well, you know, we can, we can resell and make a few bucks here and make a few bucks there. And next thing you know, you have this whole um, buffet of solutions, but yet you're not in control of any of it. It ends up not being a cohesive story. It, it you know, it's just kind of a, you know, a bag of doorknobs, you know, <laughs> like, uh, what do I do with it? So I think it's very smart to not be trying to, um, you know, in an effort to be an end to end platform, which is kind of what everybody wants to pitch and just say, Hey, look, here is what we do. We have this amazing approach, you know, to a very, um, easy to use, very compact and physical size video encoding engine that uh, that's that's an edge device. All of the value proposition that you know the 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 whole video stack in a little box, you know, truly plug and play. So, you know, again, uh, talking about Mux, what does that look like? You know, is it such that uh, Mux is working with one of their customers and that customer says, hey, you know, we need video encoders. What do you recommend? And they recommend you or are you somehow a little more deeply, you know, embedded? Are you doing the same with them? Like, what does that look like, you know, day to day as you're talking to customers, that relationship? So first and foremost, we use a, a phrase, crawl, walk, run, fly. Oh, I love the fly part. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, really not, not, not stumble and crash. So yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, what do you look for? You look for a, a company that has a like culture, that wants to solve an end-to-end -end problem, that wants to create something transformative for the industry and for the customer. So A, you have to have a cultural fit. Second thing is you have to have a way where connection can be optimized to create something that's sticky and affirmative to both sides of the fence. Mux has a philosophy on development. We have a philosophy on development. Our philosophies are very, very, very similar. So as we can work with Mux to rapidly deploy video assets through Mux and into the CDNs, that's beneficial to the end customer. And as Mux can utilize assets on our video compute platform to create integrations that are better for their customer, that's also advantageous. And so that interoperability, that connection of like-minded, that developer community support of enablement becomes really important. And by not saying, hey, we're going to sell Mux directly and, and blah, 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 it allows both companies to just make sure that things are moving forward for the developers. So, you know, how might that look with Mux? Well, maybe maybe we'll be able to offer credits um, with our devices on Mux, and maybe Mux will be able to offer devices um, if people go to them. And so it's a kumbaya symbiotic thing. And as we go from crawl, walk, run, fly, maybe, I don't know, and I'm making this up now, and. and Maybe maybe we have similar APIs that easily sequence between Mux and Videon or, or somebody of that mind. 
That's really what we see. We see the, the ecosystem closing its loop so that what you do in the cloud is possible on, on edge, in-prem, on our video compute platform. And what happens in video compute platform feeds seamlessly into cloud. Not, here's RTMP, okay, go figure it out. By the way, did, did you think about using the, the cellular modem in the platform for connectivity, or is that the single channel is not enough for... Uh... Well, you know, let's talk about cellular connection. There are companies that are great at cellular bonding with encoding. Yeah, like LiveView and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're fantastic, and we affirm them strongly. And so uh, we are not going to be a Me Too product, and we respect their market segments, and we respect companies like like LiveView and, and where they're heading. Let's call it, you know, it as it is. You know, what does Qualcomm do? Well, Qualcomm is a mobile chip company. What's Qualcomm about? 5G. So what can you expect from Vidion? We will be supporting 5G. Mm. Ah, that's interesting because until now you were um, Ethernet only, right? That's correct. And so we're really, really, really excited about where 5G is going and the Again, the partnership with Qualcomm, and, and you can expect our next generation product will be a, a very large proponent of 5G connectivity. Well, on that note, we can't wait. Uh, Todd, you have to come back, and uh, we will absolutely have you back when there is uh, you know, more to talk about after uh, some of these new products are, are rolled out or you're at a place where you want to, you know, you're able to talk about them. Uh, well, I think that I think it would be fun to loop back because I think that it's shows like this. It's insights that people like you provide that that we as a community need to wrap our heads around so that we're all talking together towards a solution that benefits customers. Because what do we know? We know that we as an industry are about to cross the chasm where it's no longer encoders for broadcast, but it's video processors for the masses. And what are we all going to do? We're going to work together to fill in the gap between broadcast and people using a cell phone and streaming their son's soccer game. So if we can continue to talk and learn and, and build upon that from an industry standpoint, it benefits all of us. And this is a wonderful forum to share ideas and learn ideas. Great. I think that's an amazing uh, insight. And uh, we'd like to thank you, Todd, for joining uh, the Video Insiders today. It was a fascinating conversation. Um, I sure uh, learned a lot, and I think our listeners enjoyed it just just as much. Yeah, thank you very much for for coming on and and sharing your stories, sharing the insights. Uh, it's a very very interesting product direction that that you are are innovating in, and um, we're going to be watching you very closely. So uh, thank you. And I, I just want to thank both of you tremendously for the opportunity, and and just look forward to hearing more of your podcast and, and eventually being part of your podcast again. And congratulations and thank you. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders podcast. If you'd like to appear on the show, just send an email to thevideoinsiders at beamer.com. That's B-E-A-M-R.com with a brief description on what you're working on and why you think it's interesting for our audience. This podcast is sponsored by Beamer Imaging. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. 